welcome to the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs podcast, your source for expert insights on industry consensus standards and ASSP technical publications. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. Fall protection products play a major role in helping keep workers safe when working at height. From harnesses to self-retracting lanyards to leading edge technology and beyond, these products serve a variety of roles in fall protection and fall arrest. But how can contractors and workers help ensure that these products have undergone the proper testing and verification to ensure that they work properly on the job site? The ANSI-ASSP Z359.7 standard addresses certification for fall protection products covered by the ANSI-ASSP Z359 series of standards and will be our topic of conversation today. Joining me to discuss the Z359.7 standard and the testing and verification of fall protection products is Kevin Dennis. Kevin is the Director of Special Projects at Gravitech Systems. He is also the Chair of the Z359.7 Subcommittee on Qualification and Verification Testing of Fall Protection Products. Uh, Kevin, welcome back. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Scott. Good to be here. Now, we're talking specifically today about fall protection products. This is a topic I'm sure a lot of the safety community is familiar with, given the amount of work that takes place at height. Uh, I mentioned at the top that Z359.7 addresses certification for products included in the Z359 series of standards. So I thought we could start there. If you could just kind of give a broad overview of the products included within Z359.7. Sure, Scott. Happy to do so. So most all of the commercially available products that people can go out and purchase uh, are included in the standard. Uh, everybody likes to call the Z359 series is a, is a family of standards. Currently there's 18 standards within that series and all standards start with a Z359 number. And okay. then the decimal after the Z359 indicates the product. So the intent when we made this uh, family of standards, if you will, is that we started at the harness and it was 0.11, and then it went to connectors, so it's Z359.12. Oh, okay. And then okay. energy absorbers, it was Z359.13. You know, Z359.14 was SRDs, and then so on and so on and so on for all the different products. Okay. The Z359.0 is the definition standards, and all of the single-digit ones are the uh, program standards, if you will. Uh, 0.2 is for employers. Uh, 0.4 is currently the, the rescue standard. So there's some synergy, if you will, or is there was an intent to have some synergy between the numbers of these standards and the product that they indicated. But uh, I'm not going to go through, obviously, all 18 <laughs> lists. You can find those on the ASSP website. Sure, sure. Uh, they're, all, or they're all listed there in, in sequence. Moving into the testing and verification of these products, as I mentioned and you just touched on, they serve a variety of purposes. And as such, I'm sure they undergo a number of different kinds of tests to ensure quality, safety, and all those kind of things. I wonder if you give some insights into the types of testing that these products are subjected to and the purposes of those different types of testing. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, so inside of each standard is, uh, at least the product standards, there's a section for and that's how the products have to be tested. Okay. And obviously the testing is done for a number of different reasons from quality control, but ultimately we want to make sure that the product is going to work as intended. So when somebody purchases it and it's intended to save the life of somebody who falls, you know that again, it's going to work as intended. So the testing varies from product to product, but all of them have very similar things. Number one, there's a strength test. The product has to last for a couple of years. It's in environments that it's dirty, it's outdoors. It, you know, so the strength test is usually gives the product some type of life. And then there's a performance test. And this is where you see the variety within all of the products because uh, how is a self-retracting lifeline intended to use? We'll try to test it to replicate that intended use as much as possible. So there's an overhead test and it has to lock up in a certain distance at such a force. For leading edge SRDs, there's an over the edge test. For vertical lifelines, there's an activation test. So 
the committees look at how the product is intended to be used and ask themselves, boy, did, is there a test to that to verify the system's performance? So in all of the products, there's typically the two types of tests, strength tests and then performance tests, and then a host of other smaller tests, if you will, specific to that product. Okay. Now I know the Z359.7 standard separates testing into two different sections within the document, qualification testing and then verification testing. I wonder if you could speak a little to each of those, the differences between the two and what it means for a product to be verified. Sure, so sure. That's exactly right. There's two families or, or types of tests inside of the standard, like you said, qualification testing and verification testing. It's all the same tests. The difference is, is when a, a new product is developed, it goes through qualification testing. So the standard requires more samples, okay, basically to qualify that product as meeting the standard. Okay. okay? Uh, so let's say for a harness, there's 18 different tests. When they have to qualify it, they have to have at least three samples and they have to go through all 18 tests. So it's pretty onerous to, um, or that's, I shouldn't say pretty onerous, that's where you get the most of the testing is when a new product is developed. Okay. Once that product passes the qualification testing, it goes to market, it starts being you know, mass produced, and then it's put out. The verification testing is all of the same tests, they just have to be done at a two year or a five year interval to verify that the product is still in the same shape, if you okay. will, and as okay. designed as when it was mm -hmm. qualified. Right. So manufacturers might change suppliers, they might have to change threading on stitching machines, they might you know, change a, a hook. So whenever a change is made, they have to go back to qualify the product if the change of that product was substantive. Okay. So it's actually all the same test. The harnesses, when it's being qualified, has to go through, like I said, maybe 18, 16 tests. And then when it's verified, it goes through the same number of tests. But the verification testing is basically quality control testing that's done every two years or five years if an organization has a, has a quality control program. Okay. Question I thought of. I wonder, like, for, for example, a harness, you talk about 18 different tests and looking at the strength. Like, what, what, what kind of specific things, like, for example, a harness, are the, when, the, when they go through that testing, what are the certain kinds of things they're, they're looking for? So the strength testing for a harness, let's use harness as an example. A strength test for a harness is you're just looking for the ultimate braking strength. It's a overly high number. A harness should never ever be exposed to it. Uh, and the testing is just to verify that that harness can hold 3,600 pounds. Okay. So most all fall protection equipment is going to have a force of 900 pounds, 1,350. You know, I see some variations in that. So we've got a... a, a you know, a three to one or a four to one factor of safety built into most all the products. Okay. So the testing is just to verify uh, and to qualify that harness as meeting that strength. So we'll put the harness onto a torso, we'll drop it whatever distance is necessary to hit it, if you will, with 3,600 pounds, and then we'll inspect it afterwards for any damage or breaks or tears. And, and if it passes the inspection process, then it passes the test. Okay. And then from there, we'll drop the harness head first is because not everybody falls feet first. Mm -hmm. So we'll do the same test with a head first fall and we're looking for uh, movement of buckles, uh, failures of webbing, breaks in the stitches, uh, impact indicator deployments. Okay. So every product is vetted, if you will, through a series of these usually static tests where we're looking for strength or there's slippage tests where you're looking for the movement of, of rope or webbing through buckles uh, or there's uh, I don't want to say minor tests, but like does the impact indicators blow at a certain amount? 
there's a bunch of visual tests. You know, does the label have the right information? Mm -hmm. You know, is the are the the hooks and connectors all operable? So, uh, inside of each numbered standard, there's a series of tests for each product, and that's where people that purchase the products can, can look at. And it does a great service to the end user because when you'll see how a product is tested, you can make that correlation to whether it'll work for you in the field. Okay. So it is really all about pushing these products to, to their limits to, to ensure that they can withstand regular use out there on a job site. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Generally speaking, you want to overbuild a product because once somebody opens it out of the bag or puts it into service, it's very difficult to quantify uh, age and ultraviolet light and dirt and mm -hmm. water so the intent is you overbuild it mm -hmm. you know so you have some life, life right expectancy for that and, and it can withstand all of those other elements that you just mentioned outside of merely you know protecting and arresting a f someone from a fall or arresting someone from a fall but all those other environmental elements Absolutely. that can lead to the wear and tear of, of yes. fall protection equipment that's okay a, that's exactly it Okay, uh, moving on from uh, the testing into the later sections of the standard with, uh, with markings. What are the, the different markings that a purchaser of fall protection equipment might find on a piece of PPE that they should be familiar with? And more specifically, what, what markings should that person be looking for when they're thinking about making a purchasing decision? How do they know that what they are purchasing for their workers is a good quality piece of equipment that's been subjected to the necessary testing? The markings on the product, uh, if there was one thing that I'd tell you to look for, it's the Z359 point whatever number is the product mm -hmm. you're looking for. Okay. Because okay? the idea is, is that brand recognition is once you see a Z359 number, you can go and, and look into the standard and you know what that standard has been built to, designed to, tested mm -hmm. to, and subjected to. Okay. okay. On a product, you haven't got a whole lot of space. You know, you only have a little label that's maybe... Sure four inches by two inches and it's it's even worse on a snap hook or a carabiner that it's molded into the metal you only have so much space okay so, well uh, yeah so, so it, it can be tough to spot yeah okay yeah so if there was one thing i'd tell a purchaser to look for is the z359 number um but the equipment is an investment it can there's a lot of it out there that it can be expensive especially if an organization is looking to equip uh you know 150 staff or even 10 staff you know, so you want to be a smart consumer and talk to uh, your local sales representatives, buy from reputable manufacturers. Um, not all of the equipment is the same from one organization sure, to the next. Sure, sure. Uh, I try to educate people and tell them uh, purchasing fall protection equipment is a lot like cars. You know, there's an endless variety of options out there. You just have to become an educated consumer. You know. All automobiles are uh, uh, meet the national safety standards for, for automobiles mm -hmm. flying down a highway, but you'll still see variations in quality sure, and, and sure. life expectancy. So, but it, in regards to the question, what are some of the different things you're looking for in the label? Number one, the Z359 number, okay? And then number two is probably the most important one is what everybody has to put on the label uh, is warnings on misuse. But again, there's limited space, so there's usually a reference to the instructions. Okay. So if your question was kind of getting to which does a, what documentation and, and stuff does mm -hmm. a person need to get to, I tell you that the instructions of that in product are more important than the label that's on it. it is now it within instructions and a manufacturer can make a 30-page document on if they need to. On one piece of on equipment. On one piece of okay. equipment. Here's how you use it. This is what it was tested to. Here's how you inspect it. 
There just isn't the real estate on a label to, to sure, do, to do sure. that. And most all manufacturers are excellent at access to information. They provide web pages where everybody can download mm -hmm. the instructions for the product that they, that they buy. Um, employers and, and purchase of equipment should have a relationship with a local vendor because uh, there's an endless number of questions that people always have about quality of product, where can I use it, where sure, can I not sure. use it, you know, how much is it, how soon can I get it. <laughs> it's, it's basic purchasing principles and, uh, and a good manufacturer and a good local distributor goes a, goes a great distance. Sure, sure. So I'm sure for, for the purchaser involved, there's a lot of research that's involved in that decision as well. You have to know your job site, the type of work that's being done, and the necessary equipment that's going to be needed to do that job safely. Yeah, absolutely. And the amount of variety of equipment that's out there nowadays is, is difficult to keep up with. Uh, I'm in the business or I'm in the industry and weekly I will get an RSS feed from some manufacturer about a new anchor or a new product or some tweak to a harness. So I'm quite sympathetic to employers that, that aren't familiar with fall protection equipment. It's difficult to go out there and get the sure. right thing. Uh, as I think, you know, every manufacturer's got three or four hundred options for harnesses wow. and, there's, <laughs> and there's, you know, 30 some manufacturers here in, in the States. So the sheer volume of options that you have out there is, is quite high. It's not like every harness is the same anymore. Sure, sure. And I'm sure uh, kind of going back to the research part of it, I think a lot of it is probably knowing your your workforce as well. I don't know. I mean, purchasers of fall protection equipment need to be familiar probably with the individuals who are going to be doing a particular job. I'm sure it's not one size fits all with, with PPE. So that, that that's something that needs to be taken into consideration too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the uniqueness of the individual comes into play usually with the sizing and the fit of the harness. Mm -hmm. Within the industry, everybody says it's one size fits most because there's these universally fit harnesses that can fit anybody from, you know, five foot to six two. Uh, but once their body shape changes or they get really uh, uh, tall and slender or hips and shoulders, uh, you have to get down into a specific size. Okay. But actually the harness is the, to me, is the easiest part because it's just finding the right size. Their usual challenge is anchoring. Mm -hmm. um, all of the equipment I can buy off the shelf, uh, lanyards, SRDs, lifelines, rope grabs, harnesses. I just have to put a little effort into shopping for them and finding the right gear for the, sure. for the employee. Okay. What changes is their work location and what can I anchor to? How much clearance do I have? Mm -hmm. So. Although many people's interpretation of fall protection is limited to the harness, I'd say the harness is the easiest part. <laughs> you just go and buy the right one. The difficulty is integrating that equipment into the existing work process in the building because that's what changes all of the time. Okay. Anything else uh, you'd like uh, our listeners to know about uh, Z359.7 as we, as we wrap up here? Uh, go get the standard. If you're involved in fall protection, it's the, that family of standards uh, amongst Canada, Europe, uh, United States, those are some of the more robust and quality standards that are out there. Uh, nothing's perfect, but there's a big committee of people that are constantly working on these to make them better. And hopefully that trickles down from the standard and works its way into the product that's handed out to the people at risk. Okay, great. Well, uh, thank you very much again, Kevin, for joining me today and talking about how uh, safety professionals can use these products to help keep their workers safe at height. Thanks, Scott. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org and follow us on Twitter at ASSP Safety. We'll see you next time.